All right, everybody. Today's episode of Simply Finance with Shane White is brought to you by Routine. When we sleep, we lose between a pound and a pound and a half of water, expelling vapors and sweating just during your normal course of sleep. Routine came up with a proprietary product called Morning Routine, which is a single-serve packet that contains half an organic lemon, one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, Himalayan sea salt, all six essential electrolytes, and most importantly, no sugar. A lot of times we wake up and our body is just dehydrated first thing in the morning. And what do we normally do? We grab that cup of coffee. We even dehydrate ourselves even more. Um, Routine, and morning routine specifically, is designed to be the first thing you take when you wake up. It gets your metabolism moving. It gets you rehydrated. Uh, It has become a part of my daily morning routine. And I love it. I I wake up, I put it into like a 20 ounce shaker of water, shake it up with my pre-workout, get through my morning routine and drink it. And by the time I go to work out, I feel rehydrated and ready to kick the day. All right. Routine, trusted ingredients made convenient. If you would like to try morning routine or some of their other products, including green superfoods, vitamin D, apple cider vinegar gummies, elderberry gummies, uh, and some other products, on their D2C site. You can go to yourroutine.com and they are offering listeners of the podcast 30% off your first order by using code SHANEWHITE30. All right, today's episode is also brought to you by Elite Sweets. Elite Sweets is redefining the way we think about sweets with their Elite Donut. The Elite Donut is a better-for-you donut that is packed with 13 grams of protein, It's gluten-free, it's keto-friendly, and it only contains one gram of sugar. That's right, one gram of sugar in the Elite Donut. This has become another staple in my house, and uh, it's perfect for that moment when you want something sweet, and honestly, when you want just like something that's not healthy, um, but you know you don't want to just ruin your diet or ruin your macros for the day. Elite Sweets is the perfect combination of of protein. It hits a lot of those things, gluten-free keto-friendly that have become popular in a lot of our culture today. You can get yours today at EliteDonut.com or on Amazon, which is pretty cool. You can use you can go to either one, whichever you prefer, and you can use code ShaneWhite30 for 30% off. That code ShaneWhite30 works on both EliteDonut.com and Amazon. So pretty cool offering from Elite Suites. Go check it out. And all right, everybody, what's exciting is to build off of that ad for the podcast, today's episode is actually with the founder of Elite Suites. Amin Bahari is the CEO and co-founder of Elite Suites. I've gotten to know Amin over the course of this year, uh, and he's just a great guy. He's a hustler. Uh, He has built this from the ground up, and they're just getting started. They have a lot of big news that has come out over the last few months, um, and they are just a hardworking team. And Amin's just got a really, really cool vision for where they're taking this brand. Obviously, it's a it's a revolutionary product. If you've never tried it, uh, I, I highly suggest even going to Amazon and trying out one of their six packs. Uh, you know, a lower priced try at uh, trying what an elite donut is. Um, I love them. You know, you can I usually keep mine in the, my in the uh, the refrigerator. And uh, throw one in, microwave it for a few seconds, five to 10 seconds. They're literally delicious. Um, So anyway, I will stop blabbering about how much I love the donuts and give it up 
for Amin Bahari. everybody welcome to another episode of simply finance with shane white i'm pumped today to have amin bahari from elite suites on the podcast amin welcome to the show my friend hey thanks shane for having me i'm, I'm excited i've been listening to a couple of episodes recently and you know i had to get on here <laughs> i appreciate that thank you for even listening i uh you know it's funny we've known you i've known you for a little while now um, met through the super coffee bros and, um, I just love what you guys are doing. I have anyone watching. I, I brought a bunch down and if you're watching, you can see it in the background, but you guys have created what's called the elite donut. Uh, you have three flavors today, birthday cake, cinnamon, sugar, and chocolate. Uh, I will say they are delicious. They get crushed in our house. And, um, anyway, just love what you guys are building and, uh, wanted to have you on. So would you mind giving everyone just a little bit of a background into you and, and what you're building? Yeah, no, definitely. So, uh, my name is Amin Bahari for everyone listening. I'm the co-founder and CEO of elite suites and we're headquartered out of Austin, Texas at elite suites. We're creating healthier alternatives to traditional suites. And, uh, really for us, just kind of give you a little backstory on why we started the inspiration for elite suites goes back to my days in high school. Um, myself and my twin brother, who's also my co-founder, uh, we grew up in a family with diabetes and obesity, and uh, we were actually on the verge of it ourselves. At age 16, I weighed 340 pounds. My brother, he was also extremely overweight. And, um, you know, after seeing the negative effects of those diseases, like firsthand, we knew that wasn't the life we wanted to live. And so uh, that's when we adopted like a high protein keto lifestyle. And in just over a year, I lost 140 pounds. Uh, my brother, Amir, he lost about 100 pounds himself. And, um, you know, that's really where the inspiration for our inspiration for health and fitness began. And um, we always just kind of, we always sought out like healthier alternatives or like protein pack, you know, everything protein pack sweets. And so it was just kind of natural for us as kind of part of our lifestyle at that time. And it was actually uh, years later, we stayed home, we went to the University of Texas at Austin. And uh, during my time there, I was working with the Texas football team where we were kind of surrounded by the high protein cookies, brownie shakes. And, uh, you know, we'd eat that stuff all day long. And uh, at nights, we always found ourselves at the local donut shop. I mean, like three to four times a week. And working with the football team, we we're always surrounded with a lot of the football players. Um, and, you know, these guys were training for the NFL draft. And during that time, they would scarf down dozens of donuts when we were at the donut shop. And we were obviously eating a ton of donuts. I think we all know when, when someone brings a dozen of donuts, we're not just stopping at one. Right. And so um, it just kind of hit us one day. We just thought to ourselves, what if there was like a better for you option, like a low sugar protein packed donut? And we just kind of took a look at the market and we saw, you know, we really saw the opportunity. There was no one really doing it at the time. We saw what, um, you know, companies like Halo Top are doing in the ice cream category. We saw the protein cookies, brownies, things like that. And so we just kind of looked at the the opportunity, the category size, and we just thought, why not us? We thought it was a great idea. And we figured if it wasn't going to be us, someone else is going to capitalize on this opportunity. And um, that's kind of how we got started. My brother got to work in our apartment kitchen and uh, thus Elite Suites was born. Wow. No, that's really cool. I didn't know that full backstory. Was it, like you guys getting on keto. Um, that was even back at a time, I feel like before keto was like what keto is now. Like keto is right. enormous. 
what was what was kind of the reason for even getting into keto because to me that feels like the total beginning of this like if you guys would have done like (laughs) or paleo or something else you guys probably would have never maybe come up with this idea yeah it's funny because at the time you know we didn't know it was necessarily keto it was kind of before the term was really popularized if you will this was back in like 2012 um so this was uh definitely early days of keto but it was really just kind of like a high protein low carb diet that we focused on um really just kind of limiting our um, meals calorie intake all of that and so um it was just a natural keto diet it wasn't like we sought out to to find a new thing it was just what worked for us and um, you know, we just kind of optimized our diet and our fitness, um, regimen over time. And it, it really worked for us. You know, we were kind of shed, we were shedding weight pretty quickly and, um, you know, it just has, so happens to be called keto today. <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. No, that's fair. That's totally fair. And then for you guys, like back then, this is a question I, I, I get asked sometimes is like, where did you, where did you even start to do market research? Like, you know, you can Google some things, maybe you can go on Amazon and look, but like, what were some of those like early indicators for you guys from like a market research fit that there was not a better for you donut that was like this? Yeah, I think it really started kind of basic and high level for us. So, um, you know, we love donuts and we know everyone loves donuts, right? It's one of those things like ice cream cookies is kind of one of those larger categories. So we kind of just looked at the, the category size and saw the opportunity. And then we just looked at, you know, other products and the innovation that was brought to these products. And it just kind of, it just really didn't make sense to us that no one had done a donut yet. It was just one of those like obvious, like how, how has no one done this yet? And so that's kind of, that's what got us interested in the whole thing. You know, um, growing up, we didn't think we were going to be selling donuts, uh, but here we are today. So it's interesting how it all came together, but in terms of research, it was really just kind of looking at the opportunity of like, um, of different categories so at the time uh gluten-free was really a big thing now keto is kind of a big trend and so capitalizing on all these opportunities but really at our core at elite suites we really focus on the functionality so high protein low sugar um for us that's something that's always been like resonated with us and done well in our diet is just low sugar generally because diabetes is something that runs in our family but really having that functionality of protein we always kind of wanted to put on muscle while we were losing weight. And so that's, that's how it all started for us. But just kind of looking at the opportunities in the different categories. Um, we just thought it was, it was obvious. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. That makes <laughs> sense. Is the, um, was like the, do you like, do you think back to the first donut? If you think back to that, do you remember that still like the very first donut you guys made? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mir, my uh, twin brother and co-founder, he was the one who was making it and, Oh, they were horrible. Uh, I thought the idea <laughs> was good, you know, because initially he was the one who kind of got it rolling. And, um, you know, I thought the idea was there. I just knew the product wasn't. So I was like, you know, I want to get behind this whole thing. But, it, uh, you know, at the time we were in college, we don't have any money or anything like that. And um, it was obvious to me that the product wasn't going to be the one we take to market or that it was going to be a big success. And so that was one of the things that I was really adamant about early on is like, if we're going to do this, we, we really need to bring on some help on the product side of things. And we need to, you know, we need to improve this and actually make something that people want, but you know, I'll give it to him. You know, he, he got, he got the ball rolling for us. He got started in the apartment kitchen. He eventually dropped out to beg full time um, at my parents' house. And then eventually we uh, got into a commercial kitchen where we're making it ourselves. So it was really a slow grind. You know, there's no, there's no such thing as overnight success, but 
you know, we uh, it took us years to kind of really get the ball rolling and uh, commercialize this thing. Wow, that's wild. And so it was yeah. the making it with so was it were you guys still in college were you still going to the, the university of texas when you guys were like creating this like version one of the donut in your own apartment yeah so it we i guess we technically got started and it was uh march 2017 so i graduated in may 2017 so a couple months before i graduated that's when we were really kind of getting the ball rolling i think um what was really one of the determining factors at the time or what kind of led to it all was uh, I was working with the football team, but obviously the season was over and it was the last semester in school. So it was kind of like out of season and everyone's, you know, the athletes are training, preparing for the NFL uh, around that time, uh, right before the draft in April. And, uh, you know, I was getting ready to graduate and try to figure out, you know, what was I going to do next? Um, you know, I knew I didn't want to work a, a job or, um, you know, work for anybody else. And so it was just a natural fit and, uh, you know, everything kind of just worked out for us. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, I laugh thinking back to that part of your story because I remember trying to kick some ideas around like junior, senior year of college. Um, and I have obviously ended up not going down that path and, and took a, a full-time job as you came to the spring semester of your senior year. Did you know that you like, didn't you already at that time knew you didn't want to go get like a quote unquote, a real job. And you wanted to like create something or did you, did it just kind of fall into like the funny timing of you guys yeah. thinking a better few donut was the right thing. And you decided to just go all in on it. Yeah. So it was a little bit of both. Um, you know, I'd never wanted to get a job, but also kind of face the reality of like, Oh, you know, I need to get some money before I can start my own thing. I think that's one thing that everyone misconception about business and just, you know, a startup generally is that you have to be well-funded or you have to, um, you know, have a lot of money. And I think the reality is like, if you're willing to put in the, the hard work, the time, the effort, you can bootstrap your startup and grind. Now, was it easy? Hell no. Um, looking back <laughs> on it, would I have done it again? Probably not. But you're, when you're young and naive and you have the energy, it's like, you know, why not? And so I think that's kind of um, what got us started. So uh, for me, it was just, it was kind of natural, you know, natural timing, right. When I finished school, I just had a bunch of time to really devote to, to elite suites and kind of getting it started. And, um, it really took us a while to, to grind. And, um, I mean, we can kind of get into it, but like long story short, I actually did take a job out of college. Cause I was like, if Amir is going to do all the bacon and do that full time, like someone's going to have to fund it a little bit by ingredient, uh-huh. you know, stuff like that. So I actually worked for, um, about two and a half months. And then I ultimately quit that job uh, to go do a pitch competition, um, which fortunately we were able to win. And that got us funding to, to really start the business and uh, go full time. We were already kind of full time, but like to really dive in and uh, make some progress, hire a product developer and get the product where it needed to be. So, wow. So if I like if I like backtrack there, like yeah, yeah. four to five months after the idea, you're in a you're winning a pitch competition, essentially. Is that right? ish six months it was uh let me think so it was about a year it was about a year later so i didn't start the job right out of school okay um but uh, yeah i eventually got a, a i got a job a few months after school um so i was kind of like we were kicking around the idea of elite suites and i got um i got the job and then ultimately quit but yeah that's uh it, it, it happened pretty quickly though yeah no and, and I, it's funny because that part of your story is interesting to me too because I think a lot of people that I talk to and interact with would would, argue, would not argue, but they would say 
that little that little time and that decision is is probably when most people decide to like tap out and, and not pursue a dream. Mm-hmm. What would what would your advice be to people like, you know, it was actually funny. I had a podcast the other day where I talked about like back when I was in college, I would work my ass off all summer to make mm-hmm. enough to be able to spend throughout the school year. But by literally the last day of the school year, I pretty much was at zero. Like I would spend everything I made. And so I was like the cycle. So when I got out of school before I jo- took my first full-time job, like I was, I was starting at zero, like no investments, no nothing. Um, so how would you explain to someone who, who, you know, wants to start something or maybe it was in your exact same shoes? Um, how did, you know, how did you quote unquote bootstrap it? Did you guys just have some money left over for yourselves? Did you guys ask family and friends? Like, how did you guys kind of get the first few batches up and off the ground? Yeah, um, no, that's a great question. And there was definitely no money for ourselves. I'll tell you that. I actually personally just started um, taking a little bit of a, a, I guess, getting on payroll, if you will, getting a paycheck uh, with our series seed round. So we just raised recently a couple million. Um, so it was years before I took my first paycheck. Um, so no, nah, I mean, living in our parents' house, cutting all our expenses, you know, um, living a college lifestyle, if you will, but well, without the student loans and all that. So no, we really grinded. And, um, you know, I think for us, uh, just really kind of looking back like, to, to, like for advice for others, I guess, um, I would say the biggest thing is there's no, you know, perfect timing in life. There's no right amount of money. And I think that's what people are always waiting for is like, oh, once I have X dollars, X amount of time, um, you know, then I'll go for it. But the reality is that day never comes. And if you're just waiting and waiting, um, you know, you lose your opportunity and someone else will come in and, you know, take advantage of that. And I think that's where what it was for us. You know, um, we were at the time, you know, we didn't have a lot to lose, you know, we were coming out of college, it was not like we had money or jobs, kids are like a ton of responsibility. It was just like, um, you know, if we're going to do this, this is the perfect time to do this. Because um, there's just there's just not a lot. So I think it's all about risk assessment. And you know, um, for us, worst case scenario, we lost time, but at least we, we gave it our all. And so that, that's kind of how we got started. And, um, you know, for me, like I, I took the job, and it was one of those things where, Um, I had this opportunity to go do the pitch competition. I told him, Hey, I need, you know, a week off to prepare for this pitch. I was like, you know, at the time it was like a couple hundred grand and it was like, I could win this just by going and competing. And they were like, Oh, you're in training. You can't miss X amount of days. I was like, all right, cool. Turned in my equipment and left. And um, (laughs) that was it. Yeah, that was it. I was like, I can go get another job and a better one at that. So it was like, it wasn't, it was no, um, it was no questions asked. I was just doing it just to make a little bit of money. But half the time I was like, you know, on the other computer working on elite suites and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, ultimately, you know, I left, um, spent the week preparing for the pitch competition. Then we actually got advanced to the next round. And then, you know, same thing, you know, we had a one week to prepare um, and ultimately won. And so we ended up getting funding uh, from WeWork at the time. Um, we won 180K. And then it was actually like a month later um, on National Donut Day. Uh, the CEO at the time, Adam Newman, he calls us and goes, Hey guys, uh, I really like what you're doing and doubled our funding. And so it was like, you know, wow. just by taking that risk, you know, now we have 360 K to get our business started. And um, that's really where elite suites kind of got the ball rolling. And really that was like the inflection point early on for us, but it was all because I took the risk. You know what I mean? I could have said, yeah, I need this job. I need the money, but you know, I, I didn't, I didn't um, waste any time and I seized the opportunity. Wow. So you got an actual call from Adam Newman. That's, that's a cool, yeah. that's a nice little, uh, 
surprise for the podcast. That's that's wild. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. He just called and loved the product. Have you talked to him since all of his craziness? No, no, I haven't <laughs> talked to him since. I don't have a personal relationship with him or anything, but uh yeah, it was really it was cool, man. It was like at the time it was really iconic. It was like holy shit on National Donut Day. I was like, couldn't it have been, you know, better timing. So sure. you know, we thought we were on cloud nine when we won the the first 180k. And then it's like all of a sudden, you know, someone just with the phone call doubles it. You know what I mean? Our little Zoom call just doubles the funding. It was it was it was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what was it like going from because I can only imagine like, you know making something in your kitchen to winning 180 K in a pitch competition. That's, that must've been pretty incredible. Like to even validate what you guys have been working on. That's a, that's a lot of money too, in a pitch competition. Yeah, it was, it was, I mean, it was really just an incredible opportunity and, you know, we were just, um, we were really just optimistic going into it. We, we had nothing to lose at the end of the day, like worst case scenario that, you know, we come home and we're in the same position. So, um yeah it was just it was it was really it was just a crazy opportunity but at the end of the day it was just our persistence and our our you know our hustle we always got out there we were always putting ourselves in the position and you know it's preparation meets opportunity and that's that's the best luck you can create for yourself yeah no definitely definitely that's pretty cool man that's awesome um so you guys are you know you win a pitch competition that's obviously like a huge springboard at yeah. this point, were you guys only selling on your own website as well? Yeah. So um, in the very early days, I'm trying to think back. So uh, so after we were making it ourselves at the house or Amira was really making it at the house, we got the funding and we actually were making it ourselves in a commercial kitchen. And we did that for probably about a year. And during that time, we were working on reformulating our product because at the time it only had like a um, like a three day shelf life. So it was uh, really limited. We were only shipping in Texas at the time because we couldn't, we didn't have the shelf life to ship it nationwide or anything like that. So um, when we, during that time, we just, um, we, we were making it ourselves. We were reformulating the product and um, then ultimately that's when we kind of took the next step. What was your question? My bad. I completely No, forgot. you're good. You're good. I was just wondering at that point, like that stage where you guys like, selling it door to door oh, yeah, yeah. Did you have a website like what, yeah, what, yeah, what, what were you guys trying to sell the product at that point? yeah so we were selling online on our site but we were only shipping to texas because we were we're headquartered out of austin texas and then um we sold to like local uh gyms uh coffee shops and nutrition shops really sm- <clears throat> small scale i made a call us just like a local business at the time it was just that was just our hustle that's how we got out there because you know um we didn't have the money for marketing or any of that. So we went to every gym and just sampled ourselves, demo to every gym, uh, nutrition shops. I mean, sometimes we would do like four or five in a day and uh, we just really hustled to get the name out there, kind of worked on building social media, but it was literally just online. And that was really small scale. I mean, we were doing like, you know, a couple hundred, a thousand a month. And but that's how you get started. You know what I mean? That was kind of, that was the early days for us. Well, it's funny because I, I didn't really know that's how it started. And that's, that's exactly how our X bar started. I don't know if you know that, like that's, I de- like they were going door to door in Chicago and it was like CrossFit boxes, coffee shops, yeah. and then eventually launched a website. Um, and then, so you, they're doing it the exact same way. And then on, and then Amazon, um, that's really cool. That's wild. So then you guys are doing that. And then at this point is, um, do you have anyone else on the team or is it just you two? Are you guys just kind of slinging it together? Yeah, so it was myself, um, Amir, and then we had two other co-founders who actually played football at UT. Um, they were captains on the UT football team, so they were they were with us. One of them actually went to the NFL. He was at the Jaguars, and so he was busy um, in Jacksonville, 
And then, so it was the three of us. And then we had brought on um, some early product developers at that time. And so it was, it was really just uh, us. It was just kind of like the four of us. And uh, we just were in the kitchen grinding ourselves, you know, anyone who was willing to come help friends, family, who just whoever wanted to come and help us out package donuts or wash dishes, you know, we were grateful for all the help because it was, it was just us grinding in the early days, but yeah, we were a small team and uh, we're still small and nimble. We just, um, you know, we make do with a, a smaller team. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Did that help having, I feel like having someone on the, on a, on an NFL team would be a great plug to get some donuts into some high profile people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, th- and that's where um, we had to kind of figure out product. It was because we were starting to talk to like the university of Texas. We were talking to LSU. We were talking to some of these NFL teams and it was like, we didn't have the um, you know, the product that we didn't, the product wasn't ready for one for scale or for um, just the nutritional requirements. So that's when we had to kind of reformulate and focus on a lot, but yeah, it was a cool opportunity. And um, you know, that's what we're still working on today. Yeah, no, definitely. It's a quite never ending trial and error right so what yeah. what's like the biggest difference that you guys figured out from the original donut to like the reformulated donut was there like a big change oh yeah oh yeah so um the biggest thing that we really wanted to focus on uh between the original product and then kind of what we're selling today well shelf life was a big one we wanted to open it up to start shipping nationwide we wanted to um you know ultimately get to retail um, nutrition was huge for us so like um in the early days it was, I don't even remember what we were, oh, we were using it like, um, a, basically like a non-clean label protein. We're using like any discrete ingredients that were local and able, easy to get. Mm-hmm. And so the product wasn't as, um, I guess, uh, clean as it is today. And then we wanted to focus on convenience. So making the donut pre-glazed or before you had to put the glaze on yourself, put toppings on or like sprinkles or whatever. Oh, it was um, like come and you'd have to like do it yourself. Yeah. And ultimately, I think the the biggest consideration, I mean, that was all kind of more on the product side. And what we want to do was the manufacturing side of things and commercial scale. Um, you know, you can get away with a lot on a smaller scale when you're making, you know, a couple thousand and you're doing it yourself. But when you're looking at uh, commercializing, <clears throat> going into a co-packer, you're looking at real scale, like truckloads and pallets of product. It's a completely different ball game. It's got to be, um, you know, you need a more robust process. And so that was all the considerations that to, uh, came into play. And at the time, you know, we're all, we're learning on the fly, right? We're first time entrepreneurs. We don't know any of this shit. We don't come from the food industry. So um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of learning and that's what really took us a while, but also, you know, with our product, we're bringing innovation. Um, you know, there's not another product like this on the market. And so bringing innovation is, is really tough when you're when you create when you're setting a new standard creating a category i mean there's a lot of a lot um of limitations and a lot of things that you know restrict you from getting to the next step and that's why a lot of people aren't successful but that was our goal is like how to be commercialized how do we scale how do we take it to the next level and that's how we've always kind of um compounded or kind of like the snowball effect if you will is just like you know one thing at a time and that's what we've been focused on since day one got it yeah yeah is um was there a, what was like the biggest, you know, surprise? Cause obviously like you said you, you were a first time entrepreneur, obviously like I'm sure the product itself was a challenge and it sounds like that's something that's like always been something that's iterated on and tweaked. What is, what was it? What was like the biggest thing that was shocking to you when, when you started your own brand and your own donut company? Like, you know what I mean? For like the first year, what was something you look back on now and you're like, wow, I would have never guessed that was part of this journey. 
Man, everything. <laughs> everything was just so difficult. But I would say, like, kind of sticking on the manufacturing piece, like that whole thing, like going, but like knowing what I know today, you, you skip all that stuff. Like, in my opinion, like you, like you can if you're bootstrapping, like you have no other choice. That's the way to go. But to me, it's like you start with funding because that's that's, that's how you accelerate this process. I think what's taken us so long is you know we didn't have the the capital to get started so like we had to do the slow grind you know build up the demand ourselves because when you're in the early days when you're trying to get into a co-pack or something they have minimums and they have these volume requirements when you're like a local small business and making a thousand like no co-packer gives a damn about a thousand they can go make you know a hundred thousand or hundreds of thousands for other companies and so i think that's that was one of the biggest shocks is like damn, are we going to have to be in a kitchen our whole lives? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And then, it's like, and then it's one of those things. It's like, you know, that's not even realistic if you're trying to to get where we want it to be and you want to scale and commercialize. And so I think that was one of the biggest shocks is like getting into a new co-packer, reformulating, having a product that you could uh, scale because recipes don't scale, you know, your your grandmother's salsa or whatever. Right. You know, she can make it a great jar for you or whatever, but you know, making 10,000 jars is a, is, is a different recipe. Um, and so I think that, that was, those are all like, you know, the nuances of a food startup, I guess, if you will, and things we didn't know just in the early days. And so there's a lot of challenges getting started for us and a lot of learning curves. And, you know, that's why it took us longer than we did. But knowing what I know now, I think that the best thing is, you know, start with capital or start in retail. I think for us, if we would have had those purchase orders and those volumes, it's a lot easier to go to a co-man and be like, hey, you know, Walmart wants their product and they want to buy 50,000 in November or whatever. So uh, we need to get this ready for that. Whereas, you know, we're building our own volume online. So it was, uh, it was a different set of challenges, but I think that going, looking back, you know, we could have saved years of time knowing what we know now, but I guess that's why you always do it better your second time, right? Yeah, there you go. That's a good way to think about it. And I mean, so that's the other thing I thought was, was cool about your story too, though, was that you guys really built this brand online and you've really been able to scale it to the point where you guys are online between d to c amazon i know amazon you guys became the number one donut recently so congrats on that um so two huge channels for you guys and then we'll build into it but would love to know um major learnings since you guys launched of have being a d to c brand i know obviously you have a a product that when it's hot out you have to you know ship with cold storage so i'm sure that's been a challenge um, but what has it been like scaling a D to C business? And then really through this last year of COVID, you know, did that help accelerate it? Has that made it more challenging? Like what have been some of the pros and cons of doing it the way you guys did it? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, um, I think for us, it was the only route to market, right? Because if you don't have these retail relationships or, um, you know, a distributor or broker, like, you know, you're not selling in store, like there's only one distribution channel and it's online. So I think that's kind of in the early days, that's why we started online. Um, but I think there's a lot of pros and cons, you know, for us online has been great in the sense that you have um, a relationship with the customer, right? You have um, the ability to remarket a customer. So if we were to launch in, let's call it Kroger tomorrow, we say all of our data that we have from our customers, like emails, phone numbers, we're able to say, hey guys, we just launched in Kroger you know, go buy us. So I think it's great from that standpoint that you can really build a co- true community. Whereas if you go straight to retail, it's tougher to build a community because it's more transactional. You're not really uh, engaging with the customer. So I think being direct consumer is great in that sense. Um, and then I think also 
what we really liked about uh, kind of starting online was the ability to to manage expectation, right? You don't have to, you know, if you if you're not at the scale to to launch in a nationwide rollout with a Costco or someone big, you can really control volumes. You can control, you know, your growth, if you will. And so I think there was a lot of pros and cons, um, but it's definitely changed over the last couple of years. You know what I mean? In terms of acquisition or um, in terms of how you how, basically how customers shop has really changed, especially with the pandemic. And so, um, you know, I think what we've seen is we had a lot of early success. I mean, um, great wins early on when we first launched and then COVID hit. And that was actually that was an interesting time for us. You know, we uh, we because we weren't in retail, we weren't as affected as some of the other companies. But from an online standpoint, it also forced us to kind of double down and really focus our attention to online. So when COVID first hit, you know, everyone quit spending money because they didn't know what was going to happen. So for little companies like us and startups, we were able to kind of double down and really take advantage of that opportunity because it was less competitive online. Um, And, you know, at that time, you know, uh, like toilet paper, things like that were so in high demand, like you don't need to spend money on marketing or advertising because you're already sold out. So, um, you know, when when the big guys pull their dollars out, it made it a lot easier for us to acquire customers. Um, but now what we've seen uh, in the last kind of like six to nine months is now everyone's uh, an uh, like a direct consumer business. Everyone's focused on e-commerce and kind of the omni-channel approach. And so now things are pricing up and becoming more expensive just because um, everyone saw the, the opportunity that COVID presented itself. And uh, everyone also realized that they need to kind of have a balanced business rather than focusing all in, you know, in one area. And so uh, it's been interesting, but I think ultimately, you know, there's pros and cons to online. And I think it was, uh, it was it's the right way for us to start. Um, and yeah, I think just one last thing about the whole online is moving forward. I see it as a great opportunity to test. Um, you know, if we want to launch a new flavor, you don't want to launch for the first time going into a place like, you know, Walmart or whatever and get it on shelves and people absolutely hate the product because um, it's not good for, you know, your metrics, your success with the, your relationship with the retailer. But if you if you launch and, you know, it flops, at least you're able to know pretty quickly you right. can pull you can pull the product. You get that immediate feedback from customers because they'll tell you if they hate it. They're not yeah. <laughs> they're not shy online. So, um that, that's where we really see online for us in the future is kind of the opportunity to get immediate feedback when we launch new products, new flavors, but also um, really to just kind of um, also build, build kind of that brand awareness with our customers and um, support those who are looking for more than just one product or larger carts online. Love it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting. Cause there's, it seemed like there was two types of brands during COVID. There were the ones that, you know, leaned in right away and saw great success. Mm-hmm. And there's some that kind of like held back and didn't know what COVID was going to do. And they were like way behind. So it's cool to hear that you guys kind of rode the wave and it sounds like you had some early success, um, you know, during that, you know, switch to more of an online sales approach. Mm-hmm. Um, you hit on the the bootstrapping thing. And I think one of the things I wanted to dive into was obviously the the news that you kind of hinted at, which is you finished you just finished your seed round. Uh, so first of all, congratulations! Big big news. Uh, what was that? A little over a month ago now, I think maybe yeah. a little longer than that. Um, and so, would you give everyone a little bit of background on that? Just like high level, and then I'd love to ask a little bit of uh, questions into you know how you guys went from bootstrapping to raising capital. Yeah, absolutely. So 
uh, like I said, from the early days is always about taking that next step. Right. So the, the first little bit of funding that we got from um, the pitch competitions and accelerators, the things that we've done was more so for um, really, it was kind of some validation, but it was also the opportunity for us to grow, get a little bit more traction and take that business to the next step. I think it was all, um, you know, the, the, the key word that people throw out is uh, product market fit mm-hmm. it has the ability for us to kind of, you know, validate that this is something that people want and that there is an opportunity here. Cause I think a lot of people, um, you know, they fail to see it or they're so blinded by their own, um, I guess their, uh, their desire to sell a product or their, they're just so tied that they're not uh, biased, I guess, within their own product that they don't see that, you know, there's not really a market for an opportunity. So I think that was for us in the early days, we want to get a little bit of product market fit, get some traction. And then um, ultimately, you know, we, we built a great business so far online. We launched on Amazon at the beginning of the year, like you mentioned, became the number one selling donut <laughs> that, you know, awesome. it's been it's been great uh, traction for us. And I think for us, um, you know, what's the next step? And so we had to kind of assess the business and, you know, retail is the obvious next step for us. And so that's what we're looking to do is kind of continue to build the brand online, but also focus on taking the product to, to retail. And um, that, that's what the raise is for is to, to prepare for that. And then ultimately kind of set us up for that next phase in the business. Um, and so, yeah, the, the whole, the way it came about was, you know, obviously it was time to, to raise and we really had to lean into our network. I think that's one of the learnings that we um, made early on was raising money is hard. You know, it's probably the hardest. Like, we've done a lot of hard things with this business, but it's probably one of the hardest things you have to do, um, especially as a first time entrepreneur or, you know, you don't have those connections as uh, it, it's, it's, you know, you really have to lean into the ones that you have. And so that's what we did you know, shout out to the super coffee guys again, um, huge, huge, uh, uh, shout out to them. Cause they, they were really the ones in the early days that they believed in us and, you know, they were willing to help make intros, help, uh, introduce us to the right people. They've obviously had a lot of early success and raised a ton of money. And so they were just kind of um, paying that forward. And so, um, they introduced us to city capital, who was one of the investors in their business and now our lead investor in elite suites. And, um, you know, that's how we got the ball rolling. We were able to, to get a term sheet and um, ultimately close out the round. So it was, a, it was a huge success. Yeah. I mean, first of all, congrats. and Definitely shout out to the Super Coffee Bros. Um, it's wild because that is like a very common thing that I, even when I started this podcast and started having people on, I, I, I honestly didn't know a lot about. But it's, it's funny because it's like no matter what you start, if you want to raise capital, you like figure out that you need the capital, which I'm assuming is what happened. And I'd love to know a little more about that. Was it, was it like, did you hit a place where you felt like you guys maybe didn't have the capital to produce enough to hit retail minimums? Or what, what was some of the, like the thoughts that you guys worked through to like kind of figure out whether you needed the capital or not, I guess, first off. Yeah. So, I mean, in full transparency, we're not, we're not a profitable business. Right. And so uh, most businesses aren't when you first get started, you're really financing the losses until you've achieved scale um, and really got the distribution to, to eventually get to become a profitable business. And so that, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're running low on cash and um, you know, we wanted to expand the brand and ultimately you need some serious capital if you're going to have a successful retail launch. And so, that's how we pitched it was like, Hey, we've had this great traction became the number one selling donut online on Amazon, which is, I mean, really a big win. Um, and so it was like, now we want to take this product to, to market. We want to take it to retail. We want to roll it out. And, um, 
you know, you show some of the comparable uh, brands or companies that are doing similar things within other categories, industries, and, um, you know, you put together that story. And ultimately, you know, we had, we had great investors who really believed in us and um, we were able to get the job done. Love it. No, that's really cool. Was it, um, what was like step one? Again, I obviously on here, I had a lot, I go from zero to one. So like you guys decide you want to, you want to raise capital. Did you pick up the phone and and call one of the super coffee guys? Like what's like step one? Are you on LinkedIn? Like how, how do you even begin that process? Yeah. If you're like us, uh, like myself and my brother, I mean, just hustlers, right. We, any and everything, I think all of the above. So LinkedIn emails, I mean, Google search, you know, pitch book, all these little online, um, you know, tech crunch, anything, any kind of investor, you know, we reached out to, I mean, we got more no's than we got yeses, no doubt. And so at the end of the day, it's kind of a numbers game, right? It's like, you know, you shoot a thousand shots, you know, you just want to make the, the enough to win the game. Right. And so uh, that was, that was kind of our goal, you know, it was kind of casting a wide net. And then ultimately we saw, we were getting no's left and right. No, 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 no. And it was like, we had to really kind of reassess what was going on, reassess the business, what we were doing wrong. So we kind of changed our approach. And then we looked to, to get a warm intro. We were like, all right, well, you know, when you break it down, it's like, why would this random person invest a million dollars in someone they've had one phone call with for 30 minutes? It's like, I probably wouldn't do the same. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, So it's one of those things that um, with investors, you build relationships over time, or a lot of people, they invest in their friends or people they know, and that's really what gets the ball rolling. And so for us, we had to lean into our network. And, um, you know, fortunately, I mean, it's just, it's one of those things in life. Timing is everything, right? Yeah. Super golfy guys. Um, Jimmy, the CEO, he, you know, he moved to Austin, Texas one day and, you know, the next day he's working in our office, right? We're seeing him every single day. Um, and we're always talking and it was in the middle of our race and we're like, Hey man, you obviously you've had a ton of success like we need your help. And, you know, he was, he was kind all the brothers were, have been great. And, you know, they made all these intros and uh, ultimately it's our job to close them. And, and that that's what we did. So um, yeah. Love it. No, I mean, it's cool. It is. It seems like it is such a, like a grind, like it's a hustle. If you know how to hustle and grind and anything, you, that's how, you know, fundraising is going to be similar. Um, my next thought is like, was it, was it really, really hard to get like the first yes to be part of a round? And then I, cause I can only assume like if you're a big time investor and you're like, okay, cool. Who else is at the table? And you don't have anybody yet. It's like, oh shit, we're number one. And then, yeah. or do a lot of investors like, are some, or do some like sit, he like, do they want to be a lead? And I, I guess I would love to know a little bit about that. Just like, do you need to get like one domino to fall? And then usually some more will follow with it. Like people like to follow the money or is it, uh, yeah. you know, how does that process kind of work? Yeah, so this is free game for everyone out there because <laughs> uh, just like everything else, we had to live and learn, right? Um, when we went out there, we're like, okay, this is our valuation. This is how we're going to do it. This is our term sheet. Um, you learn quickly. You don't dictate the round, right? You get an investor who creates a term sheet and they become the lead investor. And so um, I think that was our first um, mistake when we went out to raise is we went out with the term sheet and we're telling everyone, this is what our valuation is. Do you want to, you know, put in money? We didn't know what we were doing, right? This is our first time trying to raise money. Everything else was sure. competitions or accelerators. Um, and then we quickly found out that's not how you do it. Um, and so basically you, the, the way to start is to find people who lead rounds, especially early stage seed rounds 
and city capital is one of those uh, organizations that do that. And so they, um, you know, they did their diligence, did a lot of vetting. They, you know, vetted the business. It was, it's a long process. And ultimately they gave us a term sheet. And once you have a term sheet from a lead investor, then you take that term sheet to other investors who like to follow on, which you find what I find at least um, with early stage stage, early stage early stage seed investments is that, um, you know, obviously it's the riskiest investment. So a lot of people, um, you know, they like to follow on after someone's done the diligence. And so city capital, in this case, uh, they did all the diligence on us. They made the term sheet and then ultimately other organizations follow on. And usually, um, you know, people like city, they have other like syndicate funds or whatever that they work with. And so, you know, they had another person come in on the round with us and that's ultimately how it all came together. So, uh, you know, it's a, it was a long process just because it was our first time and there was a lot for us to learn. And, you know, you got to there's just so much in the legal that has to come into play here because you got to get the right entity formation of the business, all this extra stuff. And so, um, yeah, it was an interesting process, but we'll do it a lot faster next time. Right. There you <laughs> go. Yeah, right. Approach, so. Exactly. No, it's no, it's great. And for people listening who have no idea, you know, or don't know a lot about, about capital raises, um, diligence, I'm assuming, did they just like come in and they want to look at your, your PL and your books and just like kind of poke holes in the business and ask questions and make sure they fully understand what they're signing up for. I'm guessing is what that means. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, on a basic level, that's kind of what they do is just go through the financials, go through the numbers, validate everything that you said is true. Did it, you know, did we actually sell millions of dollars worth of donuts or did we only sell one and we're putting on the front? Right. Oh ah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's kind of just, um, running through everything and making sure that it is a viable business and that, you know, what we're saying is actually true. And then um, one thing that's interesting about City in particular, and there's a lot of uh, investors that do this, but part of it was we brought on their operations team. So what they do is they really come in to early, like in particular early stage businesses like ourselves, they they attach their um, operations team to you. And that's almost like a form of diligence is, you know, what they're doing is they're helping kind of build the infrastructure and preparing for scale because ultimately, you know, although we we built the foundation, had a strong start to take it to the next level, you know, you really want to have people you trust in there. And so that's what they do is bring on, uh, help you bring on like an operations team to really get the business ready for scale, get it ready for retail and take that next step. And so um, that's kind of like an extension of the diligence process because they really start to understand the business fundamentally and they get to really see all the challenges firsthand. So um, I thought it's been great. You know, I think the, the relationship we have with them partnership has been amazing and I'm excited to see where it goes from here. Yeah, man. That's awesome. That's really cool. And so now that the round is closed and you guys have gotten the money, what are some of the, what can you know people listening, fans of the brand, what can people expect some of that money to be put towards? Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing that we keep hitting is just getting into retail stores. I think that's our number one request for people is, you know, they want, they want to try the product. They, they ask, where can they find us? And so I think going to stores is next. And I think um, maybe actually the, the more popular request is where's the new flavors at? There we go. Yeah. <laughs> so we got uh, three. Like I said, we got three. They're behind you. If you're watching, I have all three of them sitting here. They're delicious, but they're, yeah, you have three. So you have three flavors today. Yeah. So for us, I mean, product innovation is going to be huge for us. So new flavors, um, you know, we look at product extension. So donut holes are in the near future. Slam um, 
And then ultimately, you know, being elite suites, we want to be a leader in the better for you suites category. And so uh, we're going to launch other lines of products of low sugar protein pack products. Um, so that's, that's where it's going to go. That's where some of the money's going to go. And then obviously getting into stores is going to be huge for us just to really have distribution. And so you can find us at, at your local, you know, gym, nutrition shop, convenience store. That's, that's where we're trying to get. Love it. That's so exciting. Um, very, very cool. And so now you guys, like I said, finish the round. You have some big key things you're focusing on. Uh, you mentioned flavors. Is there any, anything you want to tease on here? You definitely don't have to but is there any flavors people should get excited about? <laughs> you know, I'm going to let this one be a surprise, but <laughs> if you want to get early access to learn more, you can go to leaguedonut.com. You can sign up online. And, um, you know, our VIPs always hear about things first. So uh, I'll let you guys uh, find out online. <laughs> love it. Love it. Great plug, too. That was great. <laughs> Um, all right. So we're getting towards the end. There's a few questions I always love to ask every founder that comes on here. The first one is, um, how do you get shit done? So, and what I mean by that is, you know, obviously you're a CEO, you're a founder, you have a ton of stuff going on, lots of different things happening at once. Are you a, an app guy? Do you have like certain apps that you like to use to organize your life? Are you a pen and paper person? What do you use to, you know, hit your goals and really just accomplish daily tasks? Oh, that's, that's a good question. I've never, I've never really considered this one. Honestly, the, all I can say is I guess I'm truly a workaholic. You know, uh, for me, I'm one of those people, I, I can't stop thinking about the business for a minute. I can't, you know, I can't separate. There's no work-life balance. It's uh, kind of work and life at the same time, right? <laughs> um, but now I don't, I don't do anything in particular. You know, I, I, I love what I do, right? I think at the end of the day, uh, it's my job to, to drive the business forward and continue to um, lead, lead elite suites and push us closer towards our mission and vision. And so um, I don't do anything in particular. I wake up, you know, get to work. I like to get my get a workout in. That's kind of part of my routine. But Outside of that, man, you know, I, I love the grind. Uh, but as, as we've raised money and kind of built out the team a little bit, you know, my job isn't so strenuous like it really used to be because I was, you know, we built this business from the ground up. So, I mean, we used to be on every aspect from operations, manufacturing, R&D, you know, logistics, sales, marketing, you name it. And uh, now we've kind of built out the team a little bit where I'm able to take a step back and really focus on moving the business forward as opposed to kind of working in the day to day. So, um, you know, it's a good balance, but uh, you know, we just love the grind. So yeah, no, no, no. I, I, that makes sense and, and love that passion behind it. So you don't use, you don't have any, you don't have any tools at all. You don't use like the piece, you don't use like notes on your computer, your phone. I you Google calendar guy. There's gotta be something. Yeah. I mean, definitely Google calendar. I have to, I like to stay on track with my schedule for sure. So anything that's scheduled needs to be on my calendar or else it, it, you know, I forget for sure. It, it, it just goes past me. Uh, but recently, yeah, I, I have big, big, been big on pen and paper. Um, I think it just helps me remember better. It helps me kind of organize my thoughts, but definitely notes, you know, I'm always like, I'll go on a walk or something and, you know, I'm thinking, thinking, put it in my notes app and table it for later. Um, but yeah, nothing out of the ordinary, but yeah, I do. I'm definitely writing a lot more. I got my little notebook here. So I love it. Yeah. Just all <laughs> kinds of scratches. I love it. Yeah. I know. It's yeah. funny. I tell my wife the same thing. Like she, she cracks me up now. Cause she puts 
everything. Like, even if we have like plans with friends on our shared calendar, because I'm like, if it's not in the calendar, I, it's not in my life. It's like not happening. So that makes I sense. Um, the next question is around just like source of knowledge. So whether it's podcasts, a book, um, what for the audience listening today would be a source of knowledge that you would recommend? Yeah, I love podcasts personally. Uh, YouTube, I'm huge on that. Just um, I'm not the traditional book reader. I'm going to be honest. I've never been a great student and it's not that I'm not smart. I just, you know, I, I don't know. It's just not one of those things that I don't read a whole lot. Um, I wish it, I wish I did. It's something I want to practice more, but you know, completing a book is a chore to me, man. It's uh, I don't enjoy it as much, but podcasts, I truly love it. I love that firsthand account. So, um, you know, similar to how you said, like, oh, we had a similar RX bar journey. You know, I listen to people like Peter. I listen to all these CEOs of these major companies and how they came up, how they really grinded and hearing it from them and hearing their perspective is, is huge to me. And I think that's really powerful. Um, and it's just quicker, man. I, I like to absorb the content, you know, 45 minute, 30 minute chunks yeah. um, while I'm driving. So, um, or walking or whatever it's doing. So I'm, I'm huge on podcasts, YouTube, and I mean, we have Dr. Google, man. Uh, you know, that's one thing that is at, at our disposal. So you can find literally anything you want online. Um, so that's, that's what I'm doing, but podcasts is what I'm, what I'm really huge on. That's a, no, no, that's great. I, I laugh because I was, I was thinking about it today. Um, I think I told you before we started recording that I, re- I have another episode coming out with Jake Carls from Midday Squares, and he's uh, a big book guy. If, any, if anyone follows him, he's always like posting a, the next book he reads. And I'm like, how do you read through so many books? But it's interesting because there's some of these people, like these books about um, CEOs from companies that we all have heard of, but maybe they're like, they're just not part of the business. Like he's reading one about the guy, Joe, the guy that started Trader Joe's. Mm. And I'm like, it'd, it'd be, those guys need to come back on the podcast now that podcasts are big. I think a lot of those guys would have some cool stories, I'm sure. Now that's awesome though. I appreciate it. Is there any big pod, any podcasts that stand out to you? Like what's your favorite? Besides this one, of course. Of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Simply finance for sure. And I, honestly, and really just all CPG ones, man, like, to be honest with you, I'm really focused on the, in the industry. So I like to listen to all the CPG podcasts. Um, I, I was huge on Tom Billu and uh, the founder of Quest. He's the founder of Quest. So I really enjoyed a lot of his podcasts. I, I kind of look at all of the companies we resemble or companies, you know, that we idolize. And it was like the Quest Nutrition's, the Halo Tops, the RX Bars, the world. Um, one of my advisors, Nick Ingersoll, he, I, I loved listening Actually, that's how I met him is I just used to listen to a lot of podcasts that he was featured on. And then ultimately he started his own. And, um, you know, one day we were in Expo West and, you know, I saw him and I was like, I got to talk to this guy. And, uh, you know, I waited in line with everyone else. I I really didn't want to. I was like, man, but I'm out here in L.A. So let me just go ahead and at least have a conversation with him. And now he works with us. He did all our rebranding and packaging. And so I really enjoyed listening to his podcast. But really anything CPG focused, I I like to stay industry specific and really hear what the other guys are doing or kind of, you know, tips and tricks and, you know, how people kind of navigated landscape. But podcasts are a lot of fun to me. Yeah, no, I love that. That's great. Um, Last question and most important question, how can people follow along with you? So Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever. And then how can people follow along with Elite Sweets and how can people try the donuts? Yeah. Um, if you want to reach out to me personally, LinkedIn's the best place. Uh, you can find me at Amin Bahari. Um, 
if you want to follow Elite Suites, kind of see what we're doing, check out the community, join the community. Elite.suites on Instagram. We're on Twitter, TikTok, Facebook uh, at the Elite Suites. So check us out there. And you can order online at elitedonut.com or on Amazon. Um, so yeah, we ship nationwide and give us a try. Love it. Love it. I will add all the links to that. You guys are an emerging uh, TikTok account, I will say. You guys have been yeah. up and coming. I've, I've been paying attention. Yeah, <laughs> we got to stay ahead of the trends, man. That's that's where people are going. That's where the attention's at. That's where we want to be. And so that's the great thing about being a startup. You can really, um, you can innovate, you can move quickly and, you know, pivot. And that's what we're doing, just trying to stay ahead of the big guys. You, you got to take advantage of every little opportunity or advantage that you have. And our ability to be nimble and, you know, test out all these platforms is, is what keeps us uh, alive and well. And so that's what we're doing. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. I will add all those links to the show notes. I mean, thank you so much, man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for taking the time. I know you're busy. So I appreciate you telling everyone your story. This is awesome. We'll hopefully get a lot of new people trying the donuts. Yeah, I appreciate you having me and uh, hope I was able to add some value to people. And, uh, you know, I wish I knew some of these things when I got started. So I'm hopeful. I'm hope I'm hopeful that it's helpful to some people out there. Yeah, no, I'm sure it will be. I'm sure it will be. But thanks again. Loved it. It was fun. Thank you.